Hi, welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor of CIO. In this episode, we take a look at IT outsourcing. It's a practice that started taking off a little over 20 years ago, primarily as a means for organizations to reduce costs. Of course, things didn't always quite work out that way. In fact, for many, many years, there were seemingly endless stories of major cost blowouts, lawsuits, and widespread acrimony, and there have been plenty more such tales in recent time. Today, organizations have a more sophisticated understanding of the potential value in outsourcing. For one thing, it's less about cost today than it is about skills. That said, until COVID hit, it seemed that outsourcing was somewhat on the wane. But as you'll hear in this episode, the pandemic has put it back on the table as organizations struggle to maintain operations. The question is whether CIOs and service providers can find a way to make outsourcing work better than it has in the past and challenge some of the more cynical attitudes, in particular, your mess for less. So our first guest is Bruce Goldsmith, who's Managing Director with Harvey Nash APAC. He's formerly held senior technology roles at organisations including Vodafone and Telstra. Bruce, welcome to the CIO Show. Thanks, David. Great to be here. Now, I noticed in a research report that Harvey put out last year on outsourcing, you note that the, the practice is very, it's a very fluid sector and the reasons people outsource change. And it, I thought it was interesting that the, this note that this is reflected in the bumpy ride. Yeah, it's an interesting term. We've been running this survey for the past 22 years, David, in conjunction with KPMG, mm. uh, tracking activities in the IT sector and trends, particularly from the CIOs in those areas. Uh, 4,200 respondents uh, to the 2020-2020 survey, mm. uh, which was done in two tranches, pre-COVID and let's call it mid-COVID. Yeah. So this bumpy ride is actually reflected in a perception uh, and, and explain maybe in a perception of the changing definition of what we call outsource. I yeah. think um, today many CIOs are being faced with a range of challenges, particularly around agility to their organization. Indeed they are. Uh, while, while traditional outsource models, let's say sending uh, activities offshore into a uh, send and pray kind of a model has really uh, changed over the most recent years. And, and with the advent of uh, increased cloud services and and particularly uh, outcome-based outsourcing has also crept into that definition. Yeah, so yeah. what is included and what's not is maybe uh, more subjective than it was, but yes. um, we're still seeing numbers north of 40% of CIOs predicting an increase in outsourcing for the year ahead. And that's... that's that's from last year's survey or from mid-COVID? Uh, that's, that is from COVID. This year's survey is both pre-COVID yeah. and mid-COVID. Mm. Um, and we're seeing an increase year on year from mid-COVID going forward. Right. Whereas in, in previous years, I, mean, I, I noticed in the last year's KPMG, uh, Harvey Nash KPMG CIO survey, it uh, observed that outsourcing was, was somewhat on the wane. So, so perhaps if it, if it had been, it's certainly not the case now. Certainly not from what we're seeing uh, mm. from this year's survey respondents, no. Yeah. And, um, I mean, obviously, you know, agility, um, flexibility, um, managing managing workloads, people working from home are key drivers. But I've noticed, uh, I read in, a, in another KPMG report, or Carvin Ash KPMG report, that we're seeing this uh, emphasis on automation creeping into the, um, the outsourcing space or, you know, at least the outsourcing conversation. Absolutely. 
CIOs are now looking at their organization in terms of seeing, say, what's inside the organization, what's outside the organization, what's core to us and what's not. Um, there's no question that COVID is forcing a lot of organizations to think differently about the way in which they can respond to their clients and customers. Agility is a big part of it. And outsourcing is now considered just one of the tools at the, the right hand of the, uh, the CIO to be able to say, so where do we really want to invest from an ongoing perspective? And what's project-based so where we might actually use an outsourced service provider? Mm-hmm. And indeed, we're seeing that the you know, this this is this is almost a truism in the, in the outsourcing space. I suppose that you know, the outsourcing began really as a byword for saving costs, but it's certainly moving away from that now, isn't it? It's moving away from this idea of shifting a cost cost center to um, to skills. Hundred percent. Yeah. There was a time when it was absolutely, and in fact, all it was about was uh, bottom line. Yeah. And now, and now, how many bottom lines turned upside of, down? <laughs> well. Under, look, I, I actually think that the role of the CIO is turning into a much bigger play within the uh, strategic positioning of any organization. Oh, of course. Yes. If, they, if they haven't got the skills in-house, at what point do you actually invest in recruiting and building those skills internally versus saying, this is a project-based approach, I need to change my bricks and mortar business into an online business. I need some specific skills. Maybe automation is particularly part of that. Yeah. Rather than invest in that long term, I'm actually going to either try before I buy mm. through an outsourced model, yeah. uh, define a project, get specific scope around it, and, yeah, yeah. and then put it out to a, a service provider who can give me the levels of delivery while my risk is minimized. Because that's the equation any CIO needs to balance there's some cost savings but there's the risk of taking it outside the wall versus the uh, the, the financial benefit and the short-term gain we're seeing examples of that in the data science space aren't we i think this is the evolution of outsourcing that goes to the point of what do i really need to keep in-house and and covid has accelerated some of that thinking to say where is the real value in my organization in terms of understanding, retaining, and modelling the data that uh, that I really need to stay close to that that will determine the long term future of my business mm. versus, like I say, short term projects. Now you've got this this point in another research paper. This this idea of this question of near shore versus far shore. Yeah, um, there's nothing like uh, new terms, and um, we're just <laughs> happy that it's not a three letter acronym. So that's uh, that's even. That's a plus. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the, one we of those. I call it NSVFS. <laughs> brilliant. Let's see how let, let's see how that goes for us. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, it's failed already. <laughs> the idea the idea here is that part of that risk factor in outsourcing does talk to not just the the skills and the quality management of the organisation to whom I'm outsourcing. It does talk to time zones and the flexibility that it that allows my teams to continue to work with that team as if they were part of my organization. And that's the ultimate of where the risk gets reduced in an outsourcing scenario and and where certainly, while it might be in a different geography, uh, not just English usage and, and technical English usage, but colloquial English usage, is what is really talking to the comfort factor of in-house development teams. Yeah. 
and um, and in-house uh, IT services teams so that they actually consider this to be equally part of their own business. And I think another aspect of the COVID, uh, of COVID has been just an awareness of some of the softer skills that CIOs are actually re- required to retain yeah. in terms of the management of teams and their comfort level and given that they're working under some, in some circumstances, some very stressful scenarios and not in a, you know, centralised office setup. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to that broader point, which, you know, obviously CIO has been writing about this all year, but, um, about senior technology leaders, be they have, you know, whether they have the title of CIO or CDO or other uh, similar, um, becoming, you know, more managerial, becoming, um, having more responsibility at the, at, at the, at the board um, table. I wonder whether that's making the CIOs uh, the better outsourcers, potentially. Look, I think I, I think this we're going to see this increase. I, I don't see us going back on on this mm. particular aspect of the CIO expectation. When we're in the being asked to recruit for senior roles or to define projects and work, use our local architects to actually work with teams to to create a project scope. One of the things that often comes up in the conversations with the business drivers and the and the senior executives within the within our clients is they want to talk to people who really understand what agility actually stands for yeah. and what what flexibility we can offer because as we know this has turned us all you know on our heads and there's nothing worse than feeling like you've been concreted into a, a solution or a provider that doesn't allow for that flexibility and that transformative type thinking mm. that many organizations are seeking. So we're finding that kind of conversation, you know, how do you go with change? How, how can, you, can you deal with transformation of an organization? And, and looking for people who have previously experienced acquisitions, divestments, whatever it might be, and have been forced to fundamentally change their thinking or their way of thinking. That's a big driver for lots of the conversations we're having. Yeah, and, and as you say, I mean, COVID's, COVID's certainly recalibrated everyone's thinking around outsourcing, and it seems as though it's been a bit provided a bit of a shot in the arm for um, for the outsourcing sector and you know now and and, and well into the future uh, Bruce thanks so much for joining us mate we look forward to welcoming you back on the show sometime soon David love to thanks for your time and joining us now is Rowan dollar who's most recently the CIO with the Department of Human Services South Australian government Rowan welcome to the CIO show good morning thank you now you've had a lot of experience with the public sector and, and you know, presiding over outsourcing contracts in, in the public sector, but you've also worked on the other side of the fence as well, I believe, with, with Emphasis and, and, uh, and EDS. So I, I imagine you are a um, – I consider you a bit of a, a scholar in this area of outsourcing, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. I, I've got some runs on the board, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. I, I, I did spend some time on, on both sides of the fence, and mm. that gives you an interesting perspective. Um, I understand how – um, certainly the outsources that I've worked for uh, have worked mm. um, and uh, what their key drivers are and, uh, you know, certainly how some of the teams have measured their KPIs. Um, and, and they certainly, you know, even today in 2020, they still extol the virtue of, you know, your mess for less. And yeah. it just, it just doesn't, you get one or the other. Um, you get quality or you get a price. Yeah. 
Yes. You, you can't have both. And that's no different between, um, you know, whether we're talking outsourcing of IT or buying champagne. It's the mm. same story. It really is a wonderful expression, your mess for less. I mean, it was certainly, it certainly was that case for a lot of, lot of years and, and you've been at the coalface of that, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it certainly is one of the, one of the many things that people forget, particularly at the executive level, mm. is that um, you, you've got to bring in a, effectively another layer of management mm. to manage the relationship between your organisation yeah. and, and the vendors that you're giving the work to. Yes. Now, that has a cost to it, obviously. Mm. Um, it's an additional layer of management. It's generally not... Uh, a layer of management that is already existing, mm. and and that's a, there's a cost straight up that's going to be additional to um, what you're currently doing with your IT. Mm. Um, the the other the other real challenge is around the the way that the um, the outsourcers will work. Mm. Ultimately, they're going to put their numbers together. Certainly, now they put their numbers together based on effectively time and materials. Yep. How many people cost per day? Here's the cost to the customer um, with our margin on top. Now, what we want to be doing, and I say we as in CIOs, we, we want to be moving towards more of an outcome-based environment. Yes. But that's not that's not outsourcing. That's outcome-based. It's a very different thing. Yeah. Outsourcing is around operations and, and, you know, getting those laptops churned out and getting those phones churned out and, you know, when the network breaks, getting someone to fix the network. Um, that's not an outcome-based environment. Um, outcome-based is around project work, and that's why the project work is where the outsourcers want to go. They, they, want to, they want to come in and take all of your operations, and then they say, oh, sorry, that's not operation, that's a project. We'll have to give you an extra quote on that. Yep. Um, and that's where, you, where your, costs start to, to, uh, your costs start to explode at that point because they then bring in you know, the $1,000 a day project manager or the $2,000 a day project manager, and they add their margin on top of that, mm. and, and, and you still don't get what you want because the fundamentals of, of the project haven't been sorted out yep. in the rush to get something done by the vendor. Mm-hmm. Do you think today there's less risk of mess in the outsourcing space? Are people are a little bit wiser, a little bit more organised? Oh, look, I'd love to say yes, David, but no. <laughs> I was kind of hoping no. you were going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell look, me more. Look, there's lots of, um, uh, I mean, just about every, every place that, 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 that I've worked in the outsourcing space and, and about every client that I've worked mm. um, uh, on in, in the contract space um, over the years and, and indeed um, as CIO over the last uh, few years. It's just a mess. Operations isn't really understood particularly well. Um, I was really lucky at uh, DHS. I had a, I managed to bring in a couple of really great operations managers to help me out. Mm. Again, they were external to government. They were not government people, um, but they understood uh, how to deliver services. Yeah. One came out of defence, um, particularly. So, um, you know, that kind of rigor is very rare across um, across the industry, not just in government, but, but across um, IT generally. Mm. The disaster recovery is a great example of that. If you have an incident, mm. what do people do? Almost well, most, most of the time, they, they imitate a chicken and run around in circles. Um, 
instead of understanding what it is they're supposed to do yeah. and following the process. Yeah. And that's a that's a problem. And, and what you're trying to do is hand that off to a bunch of people, yeah. um, most of whom don't understand your business, yeah. most of whom want to pigeonhole you into their business and make their life easier, not, not make your life easier. And, and, and that's where outsourcing starts to fall apart. Yeah. Um, I've, I've said with, with many vendors, small, you know, little startups right up to some of the biggest, the biggest uh, household name vendors that I've worked with very successfully, and that is um, you've got to invest in the relationship between your business and my business. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a fundamental platform on, on any relationship. You can't understand my business yeah. if you don't understand my business. Yeah. You've got to put in the time. And, and that's not just in the IT when I'm talking about the business. I'm talking about my, my business, the wider business generally. Yeah. You've got to understand the strategy. You've got to understand where we're going. Mm. Um, and I think what happens is there's this kind of big, let's outsource. We're going to outsource everything. Let's just go and do it when we should. And that pressure is from the business and from, from the vendors as well. Yeah. But yeah. When in reality, we should be doing it more of a piecemeal approach. Yeah. Um, almost try it before you buy it. Yeah. You know, let's go yeah. and talk to the, to the big vendors. We all know who they are yeah. and, and say, here's a piece of work. Go and do that for me. Yeah. Here's another piece of work. Can you go and do that for me? Yeah. How about you run my service desk for me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not asking you to do the network engineering and I'm not asking you to do the desktop support. Yeah. I'm asking you to answer the phone. If you can't get the simple stuff right, there's no way I would outsource my entire to the operational model to you. Yeah, so, um, but so, so but people don't do that. No. So you're saying that you know, more than 20 years after you know, we started seeing the, the big sort of outsourcing Issues, I think, particularly in the Howard government, as I mentioned earlier in the program, you know, whereby you you, you have what seems to be a, a collective sense of um, instant gratification. Let's abdicate responsibility immediately. Now we can relax, and then the reality happens. You're saying that that's still happening today. Absolutely, yeah, that's still happening today. Yeah, um, it's and, and it'll still be happening tomorrow. It, it, it is frightening. Problem is that the. The, the, at the executive level, and it doesn't matter whether you're in private industry um, or you're in uh, in government as an executive, the executive abdicate responsibility the minute something's been outsourced. Mm. And, you know, call it whatever you like, but it's still outsourcing. They're still giving all of the operations over to a vendor mm. um, to to work on. Yeah. Now, whether, whether, whether they want to use the word outsource or not, is another issue, yeah. but that's more one of, of convention than anything else. Yeah, sure. The problems are still there. Yeah. Part of the part of the problem is that the, uh, there's a, a disconnect between IT and the business. That is something that, that I needed to, to solve when I was at, at, at DHS. Yeah. I did that by uh, the introduction of business partners. I, I started it off with one business partner working with one discrete business unit. I'm a firm believer in rather than trying to engage with the whole business, I find the early adopter and engage with the early adopter, and I did that in uh, in DHS to, to great acclaim. And that that business partner understood that part of the business better than anyone else in IT, yeah. and and almost better than the business did. And and that was great. She did a really really great job. And the I think that's that's essential. That disconnect is still really scary because that disconnect is still there. It's still yeah. there today. Yeah. The business wants to outsource because they're not getting what they want from IT. IT is giving them what they think they want, but there's not that communication happening, um, and the real requirements are not clearly understood. So if you don't understand, if the requirements and the communication is poor between IT and your business, how on earth, if you're going to bring a third party in, are you going to solve that problem? Yeah. 
wouldn't it be better to work on the problem in the first place? Indeed. Indeed. And was, that's where your mess, your mess for less comes in, right? <laughs> Look, some, some fascinating insights there and then also some very sobering observations. Rowan, thanks so much for, for joining us. We look forward to having you back on the show again soon. That'd be great. Thanks, David. Thank you. And joining us now is Jordan Griffiths, who's the lead for Accenture's operations business in ANZ. Jordan, welcome to the CIO Show. Thanks, David. Nice to be here. What's your take on the outsourcing space at, at the moment in these in these unusual times? I mean, and, and obviously, you know, we're, we're looking back to, at a at an area of, of enterprise IT that's really sort of kicked off, you know, some twenty years ago. But what, what are you seeing in the market now? Yeah, I mean, we see it going gangbusters. Uh, particularly, you know, mm. post COVID, there's a number of things that have happened, uh, you know, that uh, need to be addressed, and and companies are looking for better resilience, better specialist skills, better value uh, in the services that get provided, um, and you know, they're responding to that in in a number of different ways. You know, right now, they're trying to survive uh, and make sure that you know, sort of stop the bleeding. Uh, but then they're quickly getting on to you know, how can they thrive and how, how can they grow. I think the other point I'd say is that you know, we see outsourcing going from, you know, I guess, the more traditional stuff of looking for the lowest cost to more like getting married. Uh, and we all, <laughs> and we all yeah. sort of uh, traditionally have, uh, uh, those that have been married, you, you go through various phases. You go through the, mm. the courting process and you're trying to you know, work through what the vision of the future is, how you would work and how you would live together. <laughs> you, know, you have the great big celebration on the day yeah, uh, yeah. with all your friends and family. Spend a lot of money. Spend more money than you planned. <laughs> yeah, lots of, lots of champagne for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then once you get through that day, you go through the trials and tribulations uh, of the marriage. There's, there's amazing, great days and then there's things that, you know, uh, you, know you have issues and, and things that need to be addressed. And we see that the, those traditional uh, partnerships don't work. The, the actual that's going forward is you're picking a partner uh, for life and making sure that it's someone that's bringing you know, true innovation and true new ways of working constantly you know, each and every day. Right. It's a scary proposition, I suppose, for a lot of organisations. Yeah. Well, David, it's, it's for a period of time. You know? mm-hmm. And you know, it's very important about marrying those two interests together. Yeah. You know, our clients have their interests, uh, you know, which is to have the best customer experience, to have uh, you know, the best return to their shareholders, uh, and to you know, launch new products and new services in, into the market. At the same side, you know, uh, organisations like Accenture, you know, we've got our interests, which are, you know, we want to innovate, we want to do artificial intelligence, automation, uh, process innovation every mm. single day, yeah. and we want you know, great referenceable clients. So there's the mar- that's the, the, those two interests when they come together, that's when you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, look, there have been reports suggesting that, that outsourcing has sort of been in, in a slight decline for, for, for the past several years, but I, I, I gather that's something that you see is um, if, if, if that had been the case, it's certainly not the case right now. No, we sort of uh, absolutely in full you know, demand. There's a, a lot of activity that has happened during COVID, uh, clearly, which has been about uh, resilience and mm, uh, yes. addressing you know, any of those gaps. Yeah, but now, and of course, flexibility uh, and agility, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, our, our clients are looking for 
you know, new ways to address the disruption and to make sure that they can manage the services, whether it be, you know, finance and accounting, supply chain, yeah. customer uh, service, you know, in these uncertain times. And do, do you think that, that enterprise customers are, are, have a more sophisticated understanding of, of outsourcing nowadays? I mean, it did seem to be, you know, I'm thinking back to, you know, 20 years or, or ago or more, um, you know, when there, there was certainly a lot of controversy during the Howard government time, I think Richard Alston might have presided over this, whereby there was, you know, a huge amount of, of government outsourcing and, and it was in, there were invariably um, cost blowouts. It seemed as though, um, you know, in a lot of those big contracts and, and this is probably something that still happens today, perhaps less so, um, is that, you know, entire um, systems were handed over, entire processes were handed over, Whereas perhaps now it's become, you know, organisations are being a little bit more discerning about what they outsource, or at least thinking more carefully about what they're outsourcing. Oh, I think uh, I think that's right. There's a lot more maturity around, you know, what uh, an organisation's core uh, uh, business is, and uh, you know what their competitive advantage is, uh, and the stuff that isn't core or isn't their competitive advantage. Then they're the types of things that they're looking to to have strategic partnerships with. Mm. And I think, you know, that sophistication's also uh, changed from I just want a, a, a set of services at, at lower cost mm. to be I want those services to have inbuilt innovation, to have the customer experience at the heart mm. and to have value often, you know, in profitability or uh, or revenue up uptick, uh, other metrics other than just you know lowest cost. Yeah, sure. I mean, and skills, as you mentioned, skills is a critical consideration. And to, I mean, it's interesting, you know, with this marriage anal- analogy, which is hilarious, but probably quite apt, that it is really about a partnership, isn't it? And you know, if, if thinking again about these, um, you know, the earlier days of outsourcing, it probably was the case of you know one party, but basically shoving responsibility for everything to another party. But it doesn't really work that way, does it? No, and I mean we we sort of coined that that time you know back uh, back in the day as yeah. you know mess for less. You know, someone would say, "Here's my processes. Here's what I currently the systems and and what I currently do. Will you go and perform that for me?" To mess well, mess for less, mess for less, and that's <laughs> what it used to be. And now uh, it's about hang on, we 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 want a, a transformed, innovative uh, service that's end to end. And future-proofed, yep. uh, and so therefore you, you become very, very much part of that transformation and operate agenda together. Yeah, sure. And it, look, it's it, you know it's interesting in the context of this discussion whether outsourcing is under decline or not. The, the, you know, I've I, I noticed recently that Defence has an absolutely enormous outsourcing um, tender to market at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's hugely uh, exciting mm. um, and, and, and yeah. And indicative. That's yeah. right. I mean, that that is out in the public domain, and you know, defence is looking to transform their recruitment services mm. and look for a, a partner or set of ecosystem partners mm. uh, that come together to you know transform them over you know a ten year journey. And I think it's that shows that there's maturity uh, in the market. That uh, you know, organisations like defence recognise that. 
they can't do it all themselves mm. and they need to use combinations of you know technology uh, partners operations you know partners that have the, the right skills and capability and uh, also you know making sure it's local and global yeah. so it's really exciting when the, when you see things like that out in the in the in the market yeah, well, it's 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 pretty much always exciting over over in defence land. I imagine it's interesting also that you know we're seeing companies outsource more um, with a more narrow focus, outsourcing more narrow um, projects. And data science is is possibly an example where you, you know we're seeing a lot more instances where organisations are outsourcing specific you know data science, perhaps more arcane, you know, complex sort of projects to specialist firms, perhaps. Um, smaller firms that might not be a great thing for Accenture but anyway I'm not sure is that something that you're seeing as well oh, I think from our perspective we we sort of play both ends yeah. I mean there's you know we pride ourselves on having you know great capability and great tooling we spend a huge amount of money globally to to make sure we've got what we term intelligent operations, which has uh, automation and analytics at the heart of everything we do. Right. And, and and then we try and bring that locally. There's always going to be specialist firms. And we love to include those as part of our ecosystem. Yeah. You know, Accenture has uh, a network of 400,000 startups that are yeah. – uh, as part of our our, our broader uh, positioning, mm-hmm. and we think you know you've got to stitch all those things together to bring the right level of innovation and value to to what our clients are looking for. So you know, even within an organisation as vast as Accenture, do you think that that you you're you're finding that you've got sort of smaller teams working working on clients, or you know more instances of, of smaller teams working on narrower focus projects? Um, no, I think uh, on the contrary, uh, it's probably a bit of a tale of, of, of two sides. Mm. There's, um, you know, particularly uh, in relation to COVID, I see many executives of our clients really starting to rethink about uh, you know, what they have to do across, uh, you know, finance, HR, procurement, sort of that enterprise uh, part of the world, mm. as well as then that more middle office side around customer experience and supply chain, mm. and. At, as they do that, they're trying to make sure they're leveraging, you know, the best tooling with human and machine coming together, as well as you know, now living in a in a more virtual world, like many of us still are. Yeah. And that's a new way of working of, of how to come together. Yeah. And and so we sort of that that's one side of it. The other side of it is that you know, particularly for those that are still trying to deal with the uncertainty and not really quite clear on on. You know, what's going to happen you know tomorrow let alone what's going to happen you know in 12 months time mm. you know then you know there are organizations that are taking a few smaller steps and I think that's that's just the nature of the business today and uh, you know I think it's exciting there's lots to do it sounds like very exciting times ahead some interesting insights there Jordan thanks so much for joining us we look forward to welcoming you back on the CIO show soon thanks David thanks for joining us we hope you enjoyed it that's arguably one of the most used or overused terms in the tech industry, but there's no question the Internet of Things has enormous potential to transform many facets of business, government and society. The ability to efficiently gather and act on large volumes of data and intelligence at the edge has already been shown to improve maintenance, safety and yields in sectors such as mining, utilities, manufacturing, health, financial services and others. Australian CIO is actually deploying IoT at scale. Be sharing with us their experiences in the next episode, challenges they experienced and what they've learned along the way, and of course how the technology is helping transform their businesses. We hope you can join us.